Welcome back to another edition of Roasted Butterbeer. <laughs> wow. I came in really hot. And then you brought it down. And then I brought it down. That's why I like kind of I like to keep everybody on a, a roller coaster uh-huh. of emotions, and also to sometimes just scare them. Yeah, make sure they're awake. <laughs> yeah, you gotta get that attention. Hey, everybody, wake up! Welcome back to Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I texted my work friend the other day during their day long Zoom meeting PD thing. Mm. I literally just texted her, "Wake up!" Mm, wake I up! I figured she'd fallen asleep at her computer. Uh, if anybody out there has been having to suffer through eight Zoom hours, meetings. eight hour Zoom meetings, uh, send us your emails, broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. We'd love Let to hear us know your, how you stay awake. We, we'd love to hear your stories. We'd love to hear your strategies for staying awake. Maybe. She downloaded uh, movies onto her phone and she set it on her computer. <laughs> I did. Uh, well, I'm, pro- I'm going to expose myself to my work right now, but, you know, whatever. I'm retiring in six it's, years. It's so. a hypothetical. <laughs> Hypothetically, I set my camera up hot, higher than my table was, so it kind of shot down at like a 45 degree angle at me, so they couldn't see that my hands were actually doing a jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> You're still listening. It's fine. Well, I just got mad at a kid the other day about, as soon as he came in to my class, he put on some headphones and he was like, I'm still listening to you. <laughs> that's not that's not the same thing. He's listening to me and to whatever was on his headphones. No. No, that's not the same thing. I listen to audiobooks while I do jigsaw puzzles. That's like the best. Yeah, but you're not being paid to listen. It's being expected to listen to some something Daniel, else. I'm part of a very successful book review blog. I thought you were going to say successful puzzle team, because <laughs> you've also won puzzle competitions before. Well, yeah, there's that too. Well, welcome back to Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And we are continuing Already our journey topic. through the never-ending Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. We're getting there. Like, we're significantly through the book. We're more than halfway there. I looked at my book today where my bookmark was, and we're, we're pretty far. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Well, last time chapter we talked about chapter 23, we talked about the Yule Ball. And Jessica, in that chapter, Hermione had some magical dental work done. She's being very coy about who her date for the ball was going to be. Harry still had no idea how to unlock the secrets of the dragon egg, which will inform him on his next task. Dobby is creepily watching Harry sleep on Christmas morning and made some socks for Harry as a gift. Uh, Parvati is Harry's date for the ball and is really enjoying the attention that comes with dating one of the champions. Hermione's date is revealed to be none other than Durmstrang champion Victor Crumb. Mr. Crouch is curiously absent from the ball. He sent Weatherby in his stead. (laughs) That's the... It's, it's one of the funniest things that keeps... Every time I read Percy, I just think of him being called Weatherby in front of his friends and family. Because <laughs> Weatherby is like the most British name you could think of. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that it happens to Percy, who kind of deserves it, makes me it makes me happy. Uh, Parvati's twin sister, Padma, 
is at the ball with Ron, and the girls aren't having much fun because Harry and Ron are pretty much ignoring them because boys are the worst. They are. Uh, Ron has become somehow super jealous, kind of out of nowhere, for Hermione being at the ball with Victor. He only just realized she was a girl. Yeah, maybe revealing some um, some romantic feelings that Ron has for Hermione that were kind of buried deep within his soul. Well, he didn't realize she was a girl. That changes things. It does change things. Uh, lots of snogging going on in the rose bushes. Ooh. Uh, Karkaroff was not snogging with Snape, but he was having an odd private conversation that was getting a bit heated that night. Uh, Ron and Harry overhear a conversation with Hagrid and Madame Maxime, where Hagrid reveals that he is half-giant and makes the assumption that Madame Maxine is the same. Madame Maxine leaves in a huff, insulted that ha- Hagrid would insinuate something like that. As the night comes to a close, to return the favor for the dragon information Harry gave him, Cedric gives Harry a hint about the egg and tells him to take a bath with his egg. Bath. And that was chapter 23, the Yule Ball. We so mo- exciting, eventful, lots of things happened. Lots of things did happen. And that's all I got about to say about like like not a lot that moved the the story forward, but lots of stuff did did happen. I did say a lot of things just then. You did. We said things. Uh, chapter twenty four. What we're going to talk about today is called Rita Skeeter's Scoop, because we can't get more than a chapter or two without Rita Skeeter publishing some kind of smear piece in the Daily Prophet. Jessica. Remember when you liked her? <sighs> no. <laughs> I this, don't. This book is. Should be Harry Potter and the characters Dan thought he liked, but found out he shouldn't. Harry Potter and and the the waffling of Dan Rhino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rita Skeeter, we kind of thought that a couple chapters ago when she had that sit down with Hagrid, that when, when nothing really came out of it, we kind of thought that she was just frustrated and wasn't going to come up with anything juicy. We thought this? No, I thought that. Because <laughs> I know what happens. Um, okay. I, you didn't question me when I said that. No, I'm not giving you spoilers. My dog is drinking, drinking, drinking my water bottle put it on right the floor. now. Sorry about that. <sighs> he should be good. He got to go for an R word uh-huh. not that long ago. But he didn't get to go for any W's. He went for an R word. But he usually goes for a W or two. He doesn't. And an he doesn't R. need that many. Dog, he's a normal dog. He doesn't he need that many. He is not a normal dog. <laughs> he's a premier athlete. So if you hear any nonsense on on this episode, that might be Nightwing. Yeah. Because he only did about three K today. <laughs> <laughs> only. So Rita Skeeter, like you said, is going to come up with some information in this chapter that's going to be printed. But honestly, Jessica... Are you going to take her side again? No. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of taking the side of logic in this chapter, though, because Ron and Harry at the beginning of this chapter tell Hermione about the, I'm using air quotes here, the revelation of Hagrid being <laughs> half giant. And Hermione, being the smartest one, is not surprised by this. However, I don't think you have to be a genius to not be surprised by this. 
The dude is like nine feet tall. Mm-hmm. What did we think happened to him? Um, they said like an engorgement charm, that he swallowed an entire bottle of skeletal growth. Malfoy said that. Malfoy said of that. Logical, plausible Malfoy explanations for Not his logical. ginormous size. <laughs> Not logical. <laughs> Things that Malfoy says are not to be taken logically. Not at all. I it I just love that everybody's like taken aback and caught off guard by this. <laughs> I honestly don't think any of the readers were. Like <laughs> I know JK Rowling wanted but, this to be like this ev- moment. Everybody was like, book But is. didn't we know that? I thought we knew that. I I like they kinda wanna it. flip back and go, Did we know this? I've never read these books I, and I knew it. I'm pretty sure Harry says somewhere that he was so, you know, met this man that was so large, he had to be half giant. Like, I'm pretty sure those words were used. <laughs> J.K. Rowling. <laughs> With the big reveal. The scandal. The Wizard of Oz, the man behind the curtain. <laughs> He's part giant. It's like, a big curtain. Yeah, J.K., we knew yeah. it. We knew that all along. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Harry can't seem to figure out the dragon egg, even though he's telling everyone that he's making progress with it. Yeah, he's just a liar. He's just lying. Because boys are the worst. Lying to everybody. <laughs> a lot of Balfoy's lying is, in this is chapter. Is he a fifth grade boy at this point? Is like he's the equivalent to the fifth grade boy? Because I've had a lot of fifth grade boys this weekend, or this week at school, and all they do is lie. You just lie. It's like uh, there's a second language. He's like, sit down. I am. No. No, you're not. <laughs> I don't know if that's lying or them just... N- not being able to interpret society. I'm like, <laughs> so put your mask up. Is... It is. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> I had to, I had to tell I had to tell a, a first grader to pull his mask up, and he said, "It is." And I said, "Your nose is hanging out." I said, "No, it's not." I said, "Do you want me to take a picture of, and show you?" I was asking rhetorically, <laughs> and he said, <laughs> "Yes." <laughs> so I took a picture and showed it to him. And he said, oh, and pulled his mask up. So it's, you know, sometimes it just takes a little bit of concrete, you know, evidence, evidence, you know, kind of bring you back down to earth, you know, from the cloud that you're flying around on 99% of the day in in magical mystery land. You got to give him credit because there are, you know, certain people in our society that would still argue with you, Mm -hmm. even with concrete evidence so harry knows that he got a clue from cedric last chapter but he's hesitant to take cedric's advice is it all because of that he just doesn't want cedric's help because of the cho cedric dynamic yeah because boys are dumb yeah so it's like cedric hasn't done anything wrong Nope. <laughs> Cedric doesn't know that Harry is mad at him. Nope. <laughs> because he hasn't done anything wrong. So he should have no reason to think that Harry would be mad at him. But Harry ha- is like... He's like seething. Is, like, is yeah. feuding with Cedric and Cedric isn't even aware of it. It's like when I was feuding with Jake because of something he did in my dream. Yeah. I was so mad at him. My brother Jake... <laughs> Told uh, everybody I was mad at him. Sprayed you with a garden hose or something. Yeah, in, in the face. In your dream. I, I came to the door. He, mad at him. He also knew that our basement was flooding. 
he brought his friends and some buckets to help. Again, all a dream. Help get the water out of our basement. None of this is and, real. But he didn't want to wake us up because we were sleeping. So he just left the water in the basement until we woke up. And then when I woke up and would take the dogs outside. He sprayed me in the face with the hose. And you were so he did he, lots of good things. So and you were around him several times in the months leading up to, and you were a little cold to him. No, I wasn't. <laughs> you were a little cold to him, no, and he had I no wasn't. idea why. No, I told him why. So it's all it's all just a a feud going on that a one sided feud that Harry that Cedric knows nothing about. Yes. Okay. Uh, after Christmas, we're back to class, and we head to Care of Magical Creatures class, only to find that Hagrid is not teaching the day. The substitute is Professor Grubbly Plank. <laughs> uh, I don't remember this character from the films. Yeah, no. Uh, any good subs? You've, you've been a substitute quite a bit. Any good substitute stories from your uh, substitute teaching career? Like, like what? Like crazy stuff that happened, or... Um, uh, the, uh, just bad. I mean, just them being bad. Well, yeah. I mean, kids are never good for the substitute. The one got up on the table. He was standing on the back table, mm -hmm. and then he jumped down, and and I just kind of said to him, I said, "So don't be surprised when you get written up." And he said, "I won't." <laughs> and then, and then he told his grandma he had no idea why he got written up, and she called the, the school. Of course, actually, she came up. She called, and then she came, but it was, like, during the day, and they, I was busy subbing, probably, mm -hmm. again. And so then she came up at the end of the day. I'm outside with the daycare van riders, and they walked her out to me to talk to me. And I was like, she's like, he doesn't know why he got this. Ha! And I'm like, I told him, don't be surprised when you get written up. And he said he won't. She was so mad. That's great. <laughs> That's great that, uh, first of all, good story. Second of all, it's it's good when you actually, and sometimes it takes a lot to actually get the parent to realize that their child is a liar. <laughs> and that moment when they finally get on your side, but it used to not take that long. You know, in my first year teaching, 2003, Parents were a lot more believable, believing of the teacher than they were of the student. Mm -hmm. And at about year five, I started a, there was a noticeable shift in, in parents and students. And everything that the student went home and said was taken as gospel. And it was up and... The bear, the, the burden of proof, that's the word I'm looking for. The burden of proof was on the teacher. You had to prove that you did not, that things did not happen the way that the kid said. It wasn't the kid trying to lie his way out of something. Because my mom never fell for that. You know, I went home and, or if I, I rarely got in trouble, but if I, if I ever did, I went home and, and told a, a slightly, slightly different story. version of the story and she said no nah, that's not what happened you know because she knew i was a kid i wasn't a bad kid but she knew i was a kid still <laughs> and mm -hmm. kids lie mm -hmm. they just do and you know just the fact that now 
I automatically, whenever there's an incident, I autom- the first thing I do is I go straight to the computer and I type it out while it's still fresh in my memory. Scene by scene, word for word. I've got quotes in there. It's, it's like a piece of prose <laughs> that I put together. A J.K. Rowling-esque piece of prose. <laughs> and so that the next day, when I'm called into the office, in, into the, uh, <laughs> the interrogation room, to provide my defense, I have everything step by step. What happened? You know, so being a substitute is a tough job. So shout out to anybody who, who does that on a regular basis. And if you're looking to substitute, everybody always needs substitutes. There's a substitute shortage. So if you're looking, if you want to do it, you could do it every single day if you wanted to. I think in this case, and when I talked to the teacher when she came back or whatever, grandma was always inclined to believe the teacher, but she was also used to like getting the phone call immediately mm-hmm. or right after school. Mm-hmm. And so when he just came home with the, the write up and he didn't, he said he didn't know why, then she was really thrown off, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so that's why she was uh, going to investigate. Gotcha. Uh, well, the students are upset. Well, most of the students are upset about Hagrid not being there. But at least for the girls, it was a pretty cool lesson with the substitute, <laughs> wasn't it? Well, that's not, you know, the, the substitute seemed very one-sided. She's like, boys, stay back. Unicorns boys, don't no like fun, you. Boys, no fun today. Girls, you're going to pet a unicorn. <laughs> you're going to have the best day of your life. Come on. So Step for right at least up. half the class had a pretty amazing experience <laughs> with the substitute. <laughs> and that's more than most people can say with a, a substitute. I don't remember any of my substitute teachers over the year, but if one of them brought a unicorn and I didn't get to pet it, <laughs> I would remember that substitute. So I got to bring a unicorn. I bring candy. That's the uh, the edible version of a unicorn you know my candy story right uh, let's hear it it's i i will show i tell i tell the kids all the time i go i like to be up front with you guys so here i am it's being morning i bring candy i call it the don't agitate me candy ah. do you know what agitate means of course they don't so we talk about it and then i say so you know if you don't agitate me at the end of the day you're gonna get some candy and they're all for it but Except for the handful. And I always tell them, said, if you don't get candy, don't get mad at me. Because you are weren't doing what you are supposed to do. We have this whole conversation mm-hmm. at the beginning of the morning. And most of them, to their credit, can make that connection and process that. The ones who don't get the candy are also the same ones who don't make that connection. Because they don't think they've done anything wrong oh, no. throughout the day. No, I had several that were very angry at the end of the day. And I said, no, I said, don't get mad at me. It was what you did. There are some that know that they're that they're bad and they do it on purpose because that's who they are. And then there's some who don't think that they are bad. <laughs> And they're just the worst. Yeah, you can't logic it with them because mm. they don't. They really don't understand. It I almost like... respect more the kid who <laughs> knows that he's bad and is doing it on purpose. And you can't, you can't knock the hustle that he's using in order to get on your nerves. The one that's getting on your nerves and just thinks that he's just as 
you know, doing as, just as well as everybody else. <laughs> and he's on that struggle bus. Yeah. That's the, that's, that's the, the one, one you can't help. No, he can't. Not, what do you do? <laughs> what do you, what do you do in that, in that situation? Uh, so the girls get to meet a unicorn. Yes. Boys don't. <laughs> no. They get to see it from afar. So what, what do you think that, what is that all about? Like girls, like unicorns are more comfortable around girls? Like what's, what's that all about? I don't know. I've never heard that before. And all of the fantasy think, stories I have read. Do you think maybe the substitute just didn't want? I mean, just boys, maybe she more felt more comfortable with the girls than with the the boys. Didn't want to to deal with the the behavior of the boys or boys are generally more loud and obnoxious. The worst, and, yeah, and less um, inclined to be sensitive to and gentle with an animal. So I could see where, it, logically, they would think, oh, well, unicorns don't like boys. My other question is, when they go to see the unicorn, they go past the Bo Batten's horses that, yeah. that Hagrid had kind of been taking care of. And they're out in the cold. They're obviously uncomfortable. Uh, we find out, we're going to find out in a little bit why Hagrid is not in class. Is Hagrid also neglecting these horses because of the... Of the, he's got the the boo boo face. I don't know because it's been cold. I mean, it was cold before all this happened. And these are whiskey drinking horses, fire whiskey drinking horses. Who you know, that'll warm your belly up a little bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they have, maybe they haven't been getting their their uh, Jack Daniels. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like you mentioned this wasn't in the movie, and so I kind of forgot about this scene. And they kept mentioning the horses, so I thought we were going to go deal with the horses and maybe learn about the horses and then you turn unicorn. So, yeah, and then I kind of got distracted by the unicorn, like all the other girls, and forgot about the horses. I mean, come on, everybody would get distracted by a unicorn. It's a unicorn. They're awesome. Yeah, but the other one, they were giant flying horses. Giant. We forget. They were giant. Yeah, and I guess, like, even in the wizarding world... The, the unicorn is kind of this still more rare yeah like unreachable thing that you never think that you're going to get to experience even if you know that magic exists and you can even perform magic yourself every day a unicorn is still you know kind of like the the brass ring that you can never quite grab and the fact that it's there you know it's um it's pretty special mm -hmm. Of course, Draco knows exactly why Hagrid isn't there and gives Harry a cutout article from the Daily Prophet, of course, written by Rita Skeeter. And Your favorite. This chapter is called <laughs> Rita Skeeter's Scoop. So the article basically ex exposes Hagrid, the, the big exposés, Jess. <laughs> oh, wait, this is the plot twist. <laughs> gotcha journalism. That Hagrid is a Breaking news, coming in on the wire. Hagrid is a half-giant. What? More details to follow. We move things around, I can't find it. What are you it. looking for there? Well, what? <laughs> I'm Ted Koppel, ABC News. That's how old I am. I remember Ted Koppel. You remember Ted Koppel in ABC News? No. No? <laughs> no. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Hagrid's a half-giant, uh, but the article also highlights Hagrid being expelled from Hogwarts, uh, false reports from, I think it was Crab, 
a crab yeah, or Goyle, crab. um Malfoy's friend, about Hagrid's class being unsafe. And it's basically like kind of a a big op ed piece on like an anti giant op ed piece in a newspaper, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's kinda like uh this guy's half giant and as we all know Giants, Giants are, are like horrible. the worst in the worst things in the world. Remember, they like like kill everybody, and they join the Dark Lord, I, and they I, did all kinds of bad I things. I hated how many times she said "He who shall not be named" in that article. Oh, did she say that in yours? Mine just says "You know who." Maybe that's maybe that's what it was. Uh, well, she said like I think she said the Dark Lord first. And then it said, he who must not, or he, she never said, he who must not be named in mine. It was, you know who. Yeah, it, maybe that's, maybe that's what it was. But it was, it was so much. I, mean, I was starting to wonder if we needed to compare some notes in this chapter because I had so many words that I was like, uh, did they really use that in the American version? Let's see. Uh, don't have teeth, but bit somebody. Restrictions. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mine says he who must not be named. And then he who must not be named again. And then you know who, and then you know who again, and then you know who again. I've got two he who must not be named and three you know who's. I hated that. Like, that's that's bad journalism right there. And I guess that she could blame her plagiarism pen for doing that because we know she doesn't write. She doesn't write anything. But then she's exposing herself as not not even being a real writer or reporter because she she's oh she can blame it on the pen like she you know like she didn't actually do it yeah but then she can't take credit for any writing either because she didn't actually do it i hated that i hate it it was hard to read and um it's bad it's bad journalism is what it is agreed I have very, I have no expectations for her. She just is horrible. Well, Harry and Ron can't figure out how Rita Skeeter found this information, unless, of course, she has eyes and she looked at Hagrid. <laughs> uh, but they think maybe she was hiding in the bushes when Hagrid told Madame Maxine his, I use air quotes here, his secret. Yes. <laughs> Hermione was kind of the same way when they told her in a little bit after she gets done playing with the unicorn. She was like, you guys heard it. It didn't sound like there were... Yeah. I mean, there were people in the garden, and you overheard it. And they said maybe she has an invisibility cloak. I think I know. You think you know? I think I know. Oh, my goodness. I think I know. Okay. Um. Are you going to... I don't know. There might I? be people that are reading along with us. You can't do spoilers. Can, can can you grab a pen real quick and I'll write it down <laughs> and I'll show it to you and then uh, you can tell me if I'm I'm right or not but 
while you're grabbing the pen, the trio go talk to Hagrid, but Hagrid refuses to answer the door. Alright, I'm going to write it down right here. I just smacked my watch on the table. That was that big clunk. Sorry. Jane <laughs> Finch, pinching around, pinching the holes, pinching herself. That is a good theory, dude. Yes! Oh, I'm so smart. It's, it's not perfectly right. Okay. But it is in the right direction. I'm in the, I'm in the ballpark. I'm in the game, baby. Uh, so, when Hagrid refuses to answer the door, why wouldn't you want your, your friends there? Do you think he's just... He feels ashamed? Does he feel embarrassed does he feel like like a monster like what 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 kind of you think is going through his head to where he wouldn't even you know answer the door for people that obviously care about him well first i want to mention the one scenario that nobody even hints on or and i I think it's very unlikely but also at the same time who's the only other person hagrid told madame maxine did she Everybody sell who's him ever out? seen him. <laughs> we don't even talk about maybe she said something. Mm. I find that highly unlikely since she doesn't want anybody to think that about her. She wouldn't bring attention to the fact. <laughs> but she She's is the one who told. Him, I, like, I feel like that would like break his heart that the woman that he's kind of got a thing for might be the one who... But in his mind, he's she's the only one he told. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know the kids know. He doesn't know he was overheard. Mm-hmm. He only knows that he told her. But he knows that the article's out there. Mm-hmm. And. But I just think that might be part of it. Why he's so distraught. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just the fact that now everybody thinks he's a monster. Now he might lose his job because nobody will want a, a half giant teaching their children. Again. The the parents have seen this man. <laughs> and, but then the the fact that, you know, his crush might have been the one that threw him under the bus. Maybe doing that. <laughs> <laughs> that is not what you wanted to say. <laughs> That's not what I wanted to say. <laughs> this is a PG show, Jessica. <laughs> and I'm a good Christian boy. Uh-huh. So, on to... The next thing. On Saturday, the trio head to Hogsmeade and Jessica on the way. We see Victor Crumb and his skibbies. Woohoo! Jumping off the Durmstrang ship into the cold lake. Now, they mentioned that he's very skinny. Yeah, I find that, like, contradicting to everything we have previously been told. Or Exactly. Exactly. Like, That's what I put down. I, I said, I, I wrote like, down in my notes, I kind of imagined him as, as kind of like stocky and muscular. Mm-hmm. You know, not like, he's only 18, I think. So yeah. he's not like, you know, he's still growing. You don't expect like an 18 year old to look like a, you know, like a, yeah, like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> you know, like a tw- 25, 30 year old, like in their physical prime. But you expect somebody who is, like, one of the best Quidditch players in the world uh, and kind of beloved for his athletic ability to be, like, a little more muscular, a little more built up. They 
but he's more like a... Well, but wait. And I totally get what you're saying. I agree, because I've thought this too. But you don't need a whole lot of, like, muscle to be a Quidditch player, unless you're, like, one of the beaters. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's not. He's a seeker, right? Oh, so, oh, why are you asking me? Yeah. He's, <laughs> I'm the wrong person well, to ask. He caught the snitch. So I'm pretty sure that. So then he's the seeker. <laughs> and Harry's a seeker. Harry's, Harry's jacked, though. <laughs> no, he's not. He hasn't had proper nutrition his entire life. Um, so maybe. Somebody get this kid a protein bar. Maybe we just all misunderstood. And they wear a lot of layers and furs and stuff. So mm. maybe he looks bulkier than he is. I'm going to start wearing more furs to make myself look yeah, bigger. Big fur cloaks make yeah. you look bigger. They're like, man, Dan looks good. <laughs> it's like, like put on, and put fuzzy. on, put on some muscle. <laughs> I'm just going to wear big cloaky furs. Uh, so yeah, that kind of caught me off, off guard a little bit. Uh, but we head to the three broomsticks, thinking we may run into Hagrid there. Instead, we see Ludo Bagman having a dark corner conversation with several goblins. I'm just kind of bored with him. How could you be bored <laughs> with a guy that wears, like, like he's always dressed like he's, uh, like, going to a magical rave or something? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I was just like, oh, this guy again. But he does kind of suck. He does, yeah. because he's this obviously, like... Annoying. And- he's obviously... You know, if anybody has a gambling problem, I'm sorry. You know, I know it's... There's real people that have that. However, like, it doesn't... He's not a very likable guy, because of, like, how kind of sparmy and, you know, shady he comes off as. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, like, kind of fun-loving and, like, out there glad-handed with everybody. He kind of seems that way, but then he's, like... You know, take making bets with like seventeen-year-old kids. Yeah. You know, you know, it's just kind of uh, it's a little disconcerting. But what do we know? Do we know much about goblins at this state in the story? Do we know like we know about like house elves mm-hmm. and like the 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 range of their magic and you know, kind of also their personality and and things like that and their their place in magical society, but goblins have they really come up or do we know I much about them they only point? show up when harry and Hagrid go to the bank because mm. they run the bank mm-hmm. so i think that's the only time they've shown up and so we didn't far. get a lot of interaction with them so far in the books yeah. so the goblins are looking all mean and angry and ludo bagman is, looks like in in the story that in the picture that i saw in my head it kind of looked like he was trying to talk like kind of like talk them down or defend himself or like keep them from doing something (laughs) like rash so the first thing that came to my mind that he owes them money yeah uh he made a bad bet or something and and they're like the 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 muscle that's come to like collect it or something like that or he borrowed or he owes money to a bank or something like that can we that's the first thing that came up to my mind. Why else would he be talking in a dark corner of a, a pub to he, these? He's showing him around. Well, that was the, so. That was my first thought about the betting issue because Ludo obviously has that. But Bagman eventually comes to talk to Harry because, of course, he does. Of course. And tells Harry that the goblins are looking for Mister Crouch. Mm-hmm. So. 
Maybe he's got a gambling problem, too. <laughs> Maybe he owes somebody money. So he tells Harry that the goblins are looking for Mr. Crouch, that Mr. Crouch is missing. But don't tell anybody. In a, in a Bertha Jorkins sort of disappearance. And that they're trying to keep it all quiet from Rita Skeeter. So why would these goblins be looking for Mr. Crouch? Is this related somehow to the Bertha Jorkins disappearance? And we know Rita Skeeter's going to find out because she always does. So anything well, it said that like also it said that Percy has been it says that he's Weatherby. ill. Weatherby says he's ill and that he's sending in like yeah, written instructions. Yeah, so like substitute he's not notes. missing if unless they're saying that the notes coming in are false. <laughs> like this is totally Mr. Crouch. I have not been kidnapped or in otherwise... Harmed in any way. Harmed or in doing nefarious things (laughs) against the ministry. Please do these tasks while I am gone. Again, this is totally... And it's signed, totally the real Barty Crouch Sr. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I think that's something to keep our eyes on. We know that he was... um, Missing from the the Yule Ball, mm-hmm. which was kind of a big event, you know, seeing as though that that the Yule Ball kind of focused around the Triwizard Tournament, which is it was something that he should have been there for. And the fact that we've got goblins looking for him now, and we've got uh, Ludo saying that we don't really know where he's at, you know, other than what his second in command tells us so that's something to keep our eyes on uh again though ludo bagman offers to help harry with the tournament like he did before the the dragon task he offers to give harry information offers to give him hints offers to give him clues so he can be successful and bagman claims that this is because harry oh harry you were at a disadvantage and you're the most inexperienced and i've taken a liking to you but Jessica, I'm more convinced than ever that it has to be because Bagman has big money bet on Harry to win. <laughs> it's got to be. This guy, this guy is 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 a slime ball. I'm I'm convinced of it. And he's only doing this because because I think every major arc that he, that Ludo Bagman is in is has somehow tied to gambling. <laughs> That's why he's a judge. It affects his scoring. It affects who he's favoring in here. I think it has something to do with the goblins. I think it all has to do with with his gambling in some way. So I don't know what you can tell me. I don't know what you can't. But I'm pretty sure it's not. He's not doing it to be a nice guy or because he feels sorry for Harry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's because Harry, as the most inexperienced as the youngest is the underdog here the odds of him to winning are probably the longest that means on a on a bet if you put 100 bucks down on harry versus if you put a 100 bucks down on victor crumb if victor crumb wins you're not going to make as much on your 100 on, on your 100 dollar bet as you would if harry potter won you know it's just like the horse team and college football win in the national championship 
you could make a lot of money if the unexpected happens mm-hmm. because the odds are so long. So I think that, uh, and that uh, that has been uh, betting talk with Dan and Jess <laughs> here, or just Dan here on the Casino Network. So I think I that's got I think it's got to be something to do with that. Uh, Rita Skeeter enters the pub with her photographer, and Harry is not having it. Jess. Mm-mm, he mad. Harry immediately launches into a loud verbal attack on Rita and her attack piece on Hagrid and the Daily Prophet. And then this gets Hermione fired up, too. And she launches in on Rita Skeeter, who follows back with some insults. Um, and we're led to believe that the whole pub kind of stops and takes notice of this, right? Yeah. So... I mean, these these two kids, give them credit, they are not afraid to stand up for their friend in front of everybody. In front of Probably people that they don't know. Probably not the smartest move, but no, they the bravest move. That's why they're in Gryffindor. And why do you think it's not the smartest move? Because, well, just like Ron says, now Rita's going to come after Hermione. Okay. He got very worried. Right. With everything that's still going on. You know she's going to come back at them. It's just going to come back and bite them. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have Probably said gonna things to her. Probably going to write an expose on her uh, teeth. Yeah. <laughs> this girl used mag- the uh, nurse's office of Hogwarts in order to get a free uh, dental uh, realignment. <laughs> um, Taking but- advantage of her status. So Ron warns Hermione that that was, you know, bad, that mm-hmm. she's going to come after her, and Hermione's just like, I don't care. Yep. Let her write what she's going to write. My parents don't read her, her garbage. Yeah, Ron's worried that Hermione is picking a fight with the wrong person in Rita Skeeter, but Hermione seems determined to take Rita down a peg. So. Yeah, I don't think you want to tick wh- off Hermione. What's with, yeah, it's almost like Ron said, well, you don't want to make Rita Skeeter man and Hermione's like she should be worried about me mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm, I'm the Hulk you don't like me when I'm angry yeah <laughs> so what's with this determination like why is she so focused on this it's just play books class oh just something she read in a book no <laughs> she's clever so what I mean what's with this like she kind of just came out of nowhere and was just like you know what you horrible woman <laughs> Um, and then afterwards, she's like, "I'm gonna get her." I'm, no, you don't understand. <laughs> I'm gonna it's, get it's her. It's going down. Like I don't, I don't care what she writes about me in the Daily Prophet. You know, I got. You know, what's what's she gonna find out? What's she gonna expose about me that that I would care about? Mm-hmm. You know, what's she gonna say about me that would matter? Because her opinion means nothing. To yeah, me. and the opinions of the people who would read it like don't mean anything to her either. Right. She's like that. She's one of those confident people. She knows the people who know her will know it's not true, and the people who don't, she doesn't care. And she said, "My parents can't read it, so whatever happens can't hurt them." Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's on. Yeah, like what are they gonna say? Like her parents, uh, Hermione Granger, prospective witch, doesn't have any wizarding parents. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Yeah, we know. Yeah, everybody knows that. Just like everybody knew Hagrid was a giant, too. <laughs> like, Rita Skeeter is focused on on obvious uh, exposés. You know, things that everybody already knows. But then when Rita Skeeter writes it, it becomes a big deal. Well, while she's all fired up, Hermione leads the group 
right up to Hagrid's hut where she refused to accept Hagrid wallowing inside alone and insists that he lets him in only to have Dumbledore answer the door. And, man, Hagrid's really had a rough last few years at Hogwarts, hasn't he? Like, we know Harry has been tried... He, the Dark Lord's been trying to kill him every year at school. But Hagrid has kind of had a rough run of it, too. I mean, he was put in Azkaban for a bit. This is true. Uh, people constantly calling for his job. Now the Rita Skeeter piece. He, nice guys can't win. And Hagrid's a nice guy, and that's why he just keeps getting picked on every year. He's had a bad run of it, Joe. Can't get the girl. No, can't get the girl. Girl won't admit she's a giant, too. Gets in trouble with some rich kid's daddy. You know, got kicked out of Hogwarts all those years ago. Dad died when he was in... Never knew his mom. Dad died his second year at Hogwarts. He's had a rough run of things. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness that Dumbledore was there to... You know, always kind of have his back. Yeah. And Dumbledore kind of assures him that, you know, they're him and the other kids are, are kind of building Hagrid up and telling, you know, Dumbledore even says, I get people every day trying to get me fired. Mm -hmm. Every day. And I'm like, the best. <laughs> yeah, there was, there were lots of lines in there. Like that whole scene, I think, you know, should be like read to kids in general, maybe every day till they get it through their heads because there was a part where he said I, I'm getting letters for Hagrid in favor of Hagrid mm -hmm. and he said but not all of them are favorable and he said if you're looking for universal approval mm -hmm. you're not like, gonna get it yeah, dude not that's every, not, not everybody's something gonna like that's you. gonna happen not everybody even likes the rock you gotta accept and the it. rock is the coolest person in the world it's <laughs> true fact even the rock doesn't get like 100 percent uh, approval rate. I mean, ninety nine point nine percent. That the that picture I sent you. Mm -hmm. uh, he he posted that. He commented and like tell he, people the picture you're talking about. Um, on TMZ they showed a post that The Rock did on Instagram, and it's him in one square, and then a, like doppelganger in the other. This uh, police officer, I think, in Texas. Um, looks exactly like they the look rock. exactly alike and I sent it to Dan he didn't know why I was sending him two pictures of the rock mm -hmm. but apparently in the post he said something or other he he was really laying it on thick with the guy he was like oh I'm honored you're the true hero and blah 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 and it was nice but it was a little over the top and one of the guys at the TMZ you know, they stand around in that room, the guy you like, he was like, I hate it when celebrities do this. Like, oh, I'm just lucky to be next to you. Oh, <laughs> he went on and on, just like trash in the rock. I'm like, <sighs> so See, yeah. there's the one guy. There's the guy who couldn't and, and just enjoy a, the story. And that's a jealousy. That's, that's a jealousy thing because the rock looks like he looks and is as popular as he is and makes as much money as he did does there's always somebody who's going to be jealous about that you know and that's that's why you, that's why somebody even as genuine and somebody as as popular as a movie star won't even get a hundred percent approval because there's always going to be somebody to, to knock you down like i tell the kids like i said why do people 
killed Martin Luther King. I said, because there's always going to be people that disagree with you. You know, not everybody thought he was a great man. You know, when you say Dr. King was a great man, that's an opinion because not everybody thought that. And some people thought it so much that they tried to kill him. And then somebody, you know, eventually did. You're even the greatest people that have ever been in the history of this planet aren't going to be universally loved and approved of. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that 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 helped Hagrid a lot. But there was also a little bit of like tough love in there, too, where Dumbledore kind of said, and I expect you to return to work on Monday. Yeah. Take some take some time. You got the weekend, yep. but and you, this, you know, enough is enough. Pick you, yourself up by the bootstraps and kind of suck it up because and I expect you to be at breakfast too. Mm-hmm. It wasn't yep. you couldn't yeah. just do class. He had to come yeah, back. You got to do all the and all do the everything. Stuff. Come sit yeah. at breakfast with me in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. No more hiding. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just I liked that sentiment of not everybody is going to approve of you. Mm-hmm. You'll never get everyone to like you. And then later next page or whatever after Dumbledore leaves he has this little speech to the kids Mm -hmm. and it was kind of the same thing and where he's finally realizing it and he's going to get up off his butt and quit being Mm -hmm. sad and and do it and but it was also still talking about liking yourself for who you are Mm -hmm. and not everybody's going to like you but you have to do you know you have to like you and it just I like I really like that as well. You know, the chapter closes, like you said, with Hagrid giving a very impassioned speech to Harry about, we're a lot alike. Uh, We shouldn't be defined by our families because, you know, Harry lived with the Dursleys for so long. And when when they both came to Hogwarts, they both kind of felt like outsiders, like, I shouldn't be here, you know, like I, everybody's, I'm different from everybody else when they both came to Hogwarts. So there's a connection there. And Hagrid kind of feels that if Harry can win the tournament, then that's almost like a little bit of a vindication for him as well, right? Yes. So Harry, at the end of the chapter, finally Show decides... that the oddball kid can do it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, win, win one for the Gipper, uh, Ronald Reagan used to say. Uh Harry finally decides to take Cedric's advice. It looks like he'll be taking a bath with that egg after all, Jessica. Ooh. Bath time. Bath time. Uh, anything else you want to add by this chapter? Because we do have an email. We have an email? Uh-huh. And I didn't tell you about it because I wanted to get your, uh, your genuine <sighs> reaction. throw them on me. Um, no, I think we covered it all. Like I said, I just really liked that last, just like the last two pages. Yeah, pick pick like, yourself wow. up by the bootstraps, Hagrid. Those horses was, need their whiskey. There was a They're lot cold. of things in that those last. We'll take two care chapters. of the horses. Get your act together. Get a breakfast Monday morning and get back in class. Yeah, get back to work. Uh, there's and Dumbledore was even you know Dumbledore was you know like you said was saying that yeah there's people that don't want you here but there's a lot of people that are supporting you too. Mm-hmm. He said he was even getting letters and. And things like that. And From old, old classmates that yeah. used to, and those are the people who have kids now that are in school, mm-hmm. I guess. And they're like, no. And those are really the opinions that, that matter. The know? people that know you. Yeah. Right. The people that know you, if it's their opinions that matter. Because they've, they've formed that opinion based on all the facts, all the information yes, that's there. the things that you do. Right. You're, you're judged by the content of your character, not by 
one or two things that are misconstrued and written by a magical pen. Yes. Uh, email. Yes. Send those to broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com or tweet us at broomsticksb. This one comes from Susan. Hi, Susan. In Rock Springs, Wyoming. Ooh, Wyoming. Yeah. I wonder how many people live in Rock Springs, Wyoming. I don't know. Six, maybe? Uh, maybe a couple more. She writes, Hi, Dan and Jess. Do you ever feel like people in the real world are labeled, he uses labeled in quotes, as belonging to a certain Hogwarts house simply based on one small part of their personality? For example, if you get in trouble a lot, you've got to be a Slytherin. If you like reading books, you have to be a Ravenclaw. If you're friendly, you have to be a Hufflepuff. I am very friendly and outgoing, so everyone assumes I'm a Hufflepuff, but I'm actually a Gryffindor. Do you think it's unfair that we paint these houses with broad strokes and make assumptions about people based on that? Um. I gotta tell you right now that I. I do that a lot. Like, I think, oh, she's bubbly and friendly, gotta be a Hufflepuff. Maybe not. Maybe not. You know? Um, I like. I, we just we do it all the time. We love sorting people by Hogwarts houses. It's a great little like tool because then yeah you do feel like you know that person, but maybe you don't actually. But um, it's a nice party game too. Yeah, we, we've done it at conventions where we we'll put like a a fictional character up, like Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> and you tell like who, who what, what Hogwarts, Hogwarts uh, house. Uh, what what Hogwarts house Scooby Doo would be in or SpongeBob or. You know, Michael Scott from The Office. You know, things like that. Mm -hmm. But, and I love it. It's fun. But in reality, you know, no one's that simple. You're, well, like you you're just a combination said. Like of what things. you just said about Hagrid is that the people that matter are the people that really know you. If you're just judging on one little part of their personality, then it's not really fair. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, too, you're not just a Hufflepuff, you know, like, you're a Hufflepuff because you're friendly and you want people to like you and all that stuff. But you're really smart, too. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, like, went through college and didn't open your textbooks. you really smart. So you could be Ravenclaw. But I think... so. Like the nicest thing you've you said to me in, like, a long time. <laughs> I'm Did like, I tell you you were adorable, like, earlier today? No, you were talking to the dog. No, 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 no. I know that time. That time I <laughs> you was. Were, you were, but, like, you were say, you said that, it to the dog... And I and I jokingly said, "Yeah, Jess, I know I'm adorable," and you kind of played along with it. But that's you not were the actually, time I'm talking that, about. That is the only time that's no, happened today. No, I maybe it was yesterday. I don't know. I've been really tired not lately. Not yesterday, but it did happen recently where I was like, I said that you were adorable, or that I I something. don't, I don't think remember. I've ever heard you say that. That's not true. <laughs> anyway, so. No, I lost. am adorable, by the way. Like, I am freaking <laughs> adorable. But you live in a house with Wu, so <laughs> his major... his. So I need to hang out with dogs that aren't adorable, <laughs> and I will look more adorable. It's like the 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 kind of hot girl that hangs out with the, the ugly girls so she can look more hot by comparison. <laughs> I think I, I think I, they talked about that in Clueless. That's not my original thought. But I don't know. So like me being I, a, me being a Hufflepuff. While you while you try to gather your thought that I threw you off of. I I get. We think of Hufflepuff 
as uh, Susan said, we paint with broad strokes, mm-hmm. and we think of Hufflepuff as like the goofy, friendly. I mean, that's what Puffs is all about. The the Broadway play, it's all about the Hufflepuffs kind of being like the, you know, the the Labrador. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the Labrador Retrievers of the of the school. The you know, with the oh, we're just happy to be here. But on the other hand, like, I get really mad at people sometimes. <laughs> like, I get really worked up to the point where, like, I, I'm, I'm ready to throw down. And sometimes I, I tell the kids at school, I said, I, I can be the nicest person you know, or I can be a big jerk. Because I don't like being wronged. If, if you wrong me, I don't just smile and let it go. Like, I, I don't hold grudges, but I remember facts. I remember things that happened. And I may forgive you, but I won't forget. And so it's not just like happy-go-lucky all the time. Like, I get, you know, I get really worked up about things. So, I mean, there's... It's almost like you should have like a main house and then like also like parts of personality, small parts of your personality that could kind of be attributes of other houses too. But this is like your main one. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm saying. So where she's talking about, you know, people get wrongfully labeled. I don't think so. I think that's just like their their outer shell, their main house. It's Mm. the first thing you see, the first thing you notice. It's the first thing they put out there. Mm -hmm. Whatever. So, yeah, like, and uh, there are tests that will tell you, like, what combination, mm-hmm. like, not official, right. not official, combination of houses you are, or. There's some good, like, like BuzzFeed ones that are all right, but. And it's usually and just two. And like, they'll you even get say, a, like, 50% this, 41% this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've heard people, like, when we're doing Harry Potter things, they'll be like, oh, well, I'm a Gryffindor slash. Slytherin, or, mm-hmm. you know, they'll say they're both. Mm-hmm. They identify as both, maybe. We'll go with that. But, um, yeah. It, it, people are more complicated than that. You can't just be one thing. And you can't just be four things, either, which is the ho- the houses. You know, you, I, I honestly think that, yes, if you go to Hogwarts, we have to put you in one of these houses, but honestly, you probably there's probably a lot of students that don't fit really well into any of them, you know. Well, that's what they talk about in Puffs. Mm-hmm. It says Puffs is everyone right. else. Right. It was like we had the Braves, we had the Smarts, we had the Smarts, we had the Snakes, and then we had the Puffs. <laughs> and then and she took everyone else. Uh, yeah, yeah. She said, Puff, Hufflepuff said, "I'll take all the rest of them. I'll take everybody. You know, everybody who wants to learn, I'll take them." And that's why you know I saw an interview with J.K. Rowling where she said she you know she kind of thinks that Hufflepuff is her favorite house because sometimes they sometimes they do kind of get construed as like the misfits, you know, the island of misfit toys. In Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, where all the unwanted toys go, because they don't really fit anymore. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that they're not important. It doesn't mean that they don't have a place. And I think, like at, by the end of that cartoon, you find that out. But I, it, it is. You said something about you know that's what they want you to see. 
sometimes though, like the what what people put out there is what they want you to see. Sometimes we've known, you know, like Robin Williams comes to mind, who one of the goofiest, seemingly happiest guys to have ever lived on the face of the earth took his own life because he was he was so sad inside Mm -hmm. so you know you see him and you think oh Hufflepuff but this was like a tortured soul that we don't really know we only know like what we saw in movies and what we saw on the outside so sometimes people what they put on what they show on the outside is not what they really are either though so sometimes you can't just look at somebody and say oh Hufflepuff oh Slytherin you know you see a, a goth kid you know you say oh Slytherin you know, but there's 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 layers to them. You know, so I think that that Susan makes a really good point. It's an interesting conversation. Um, I was just gonna say I'd still think he would be a Hufflepuff, and but on that same side, he's more sensitive, mm-hmm. and the not everybody liking him that's that can be more pressure. And being in a public in public eye all the time, you know, like you said, nobody likes everybody. It, somebody's always gonna be down on him that's that's a lot for a more sensitive person and you know that i could see that i could still say i'd still say you know it's hard it's hard to say with unless unless we we know know. that he took the test (laughs) or we talked to to somebody who wrote his uh you know biography that was with him and with with him, usually when when somebody writes like an official biography on somebody they spend a lot of time with them and they get to know them on a, a very deep almost spiritual level you know we would need to know you know somebody who knew who he really was to be able to make a, a, a more informed you know uh, decision about that or a more informed evaluation of that I think it's an interesting uh, conversation you know you and i have talked about like if we weren't in our houses what we what we would be you know if you weren't a ravenclaw if i wasn't a hufflepuff i don't know because yeah. well see i just think i wouldn't be a hufflepuff like i think oh, i have God, no. <laughs> gryffindor you hate everybody <laughs> i have gryffindor qualities and i have slytherin qualities but i think majority is ravenclaw I just don't have any Hufflepuff. You've got like three people in the world that you like. <laughs> Can I be third? Third or nothing? Third or nothing! Third or nothing! Third or nothing! Yay! Puffs! That's it. Um, but as far as... What was the actual question in the email? Um, do you feel people in the real world are labeled... As belonging to a certain Hogwarts house simply based on one small part of their personality. Do you think it's unfair that we paint these houses, the houses, with broad strokes and make assumptions about people based on those broad strokes? Okay, I thought I had an answer to that, but it's worded a little differently. I think that it's okay as, like, a beginning step. Mm-hmm. But as long as you keep in mind that nothing's that simple... And it's kind of like with some of the characters that we see in, in these books, Ron doesn't seem very brave, but on the surface he doesn't, but then he's going to acquit himself very well throughout these seven books. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neville. Neville. 
seems like a bumbling fool. Oh. <laughs> oh, Neville. But by the end of the journey, I you know, he will prove himself, you know, quite well. You know, prove that, yes, the hat was always right. And I, so I think that first impressions are some, I think, to answer the question, first impressions, just in general, are not the final answer to mm-hmm. anything. I think that's a good, that's just a good way to live life. First impressions of anybody are not something that you should base everything on. Because somebody that you think is your mortal enemy, and we see that all the time in elementary schools, he's my enemy. We haven't got along since first grade. Do you even know this person? No. You don't. You don't know their background. You don't know what their, their likes and dislikes are. You just see the, the character that they portray at school for several hours a day. You don't know this person on a deeper level. You might be their best friend. And you have a lot more in common than you think, but you base it on this small sample of them. You know, it's like listening to 10 seconds of a song and deciding whether you like it or not. You don't know if that's a, if that's a song you like or not, so you listen to the whole thing. You can't base it on the 10 seconds of the song. So, I think it's a very interesting conversation. I didn't listen to the whole thing in the car the other day. I told you that song was bad. Yeah, you're talking about the Made in England by Elton John. <laughs> Whoa, I was made in England. They said it like 30 times. I was done. I was like, no. I was made in England. Stop. Make it stop. I was made in England. (laughs) The worst. It's not the worst. We can find. You're you're making a broad. You're painting broad (laughs) strokes there. There, There's a lot worse. There's a lot worse out there than that. Wait till Christmas time comes. You'll hear some uh, some Christmas songs that get a lot of radio airplay that are just garbage. <laughs> well, that's like Christmas songs that that are beloved Christmas songs that people think are amazing. Uh, that I think are trash is one of the uh, biggest things that I like talking about around the holidays. That and Jesus. Ah, oh. two of my favorite things to talk about. And on that note. That's going to do it for this edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. Again, thanks everybody for downloading, listening, and subscribing. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at BroomsticksB. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio. Subscribe, you'll get the episodes as soon as they drop. And uh, leave us a five-star review on whatever pat- platform you're listening on. Wait, did I tell my grocery store story? Uh, did I tell it last time? We I don't think we did. Grocery? Oh, no, I don't think so. Okay, so I was at the grocery store the other day. Uh-huh. It goes right along with our email. And the girl checking out, you know, ringing me up, she saw my wallet. And she said, oh, you're Ravenclaw? And I said, yes. And she said, I'm, I'm a Slytherin. And so we chatted a little bit, and I kind of let it go. I wasn't going to be that crazy person. <laughs> and then it came up again. She was like, oh, my sister's a Hufflepuff. And this and that. And I was like, oh, my husband's a Hufflepuff. And we do a Harry Potter podcast, if you're interested. It's called Broomsticks and Butterbeer. And she goes, I've heard of that. And I was like, what? You, what? you found someone in the <laughs> wild? 
<laughs> right down the street, apparently. Pretty amazing. Like, out of anybody in the world who downloaded our, our podcast, the girl down the street. <laughs> We're big in Moldova, I think. Oh, nice. We got, like, a listener there. <laughs> <laughs> a listener there. Last time I looked at the map of where the downloads come from, and it could be like, uh, like you can use like a VPN to like a lot of people use a VPN to like mask their IP address because they think the government's following them. Yeah. So like you know you might be somebody who's actually in like Newark, New Jersey, who says they're in the UK or something like that, but apparently Moldova, which I thought I thought that was like the fake country from the Princess Diaries. <laughs> It's Genovia. 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 Okay, we're we're done for real. Yeah, we're done for real this time. Uh, I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. We'll see you next time. Bye. Oh.